morning and welcome to Sustainability Forward. I'm Antonia Banks-Graves, your host. And today the guest is going to be Jerry Thompson. She is one of the co-owners of Recovery Resources that is located in Tulare County. She is uh, one of the owners and she has been around since 1996, if not sooner, uh, working with uh, recovery resources. She is certified in um, alcohol and drug counseling, substance abuse uh, certifications, and numerous others. Uh, she also has done public speaking presenter at conferences, created uh, not-for-profit 501c3, which she has contributed to uh, also a published book and has continued to add to her skills and supervision of counselors. Jerry, thank you for joining today, today's podcast, and willing to give us some information on exactly what goes on in recovery resources. Uh, what is your role in the re at the Recovery Resources, and how long has the agency been in existence? Well, thank you for having me this morning, first of all. Um, so my husband and I uh, opened Recovery Resources. We were working for an organization that was closing, and um, there was a few clients there that were being offered services through the Tulare County Drug Court and also... Um, an intensive outpatient program. And the owner of that organization wanted us to buy the organization. However, the amount of money that was being requested did not match what the company was worth at that time. And so basically we made an offer to her to take over um, her expenses so that she was not left with, believe it or not, this is old school, a yellow page ad, um, uh, a lease, um, phone bills and things like that. And so um, we didn't want to keep the name of the organization. There had been some legal problems uh, with Medi-Cal and, and things like that. And so we didn't want, want to keep that name. So my husband start. and I offered her, yes, absolutely. We wanted a, a brand new name a brand new uh, reputation. Um, so we opened Recovery Resources on April Fool's Day of 1999. We thought that was hysterical. Um, and so my husband and I opened the business, uh, created the policy and procedures, um, moved forward with um, providing IOP, which is intensive outpatient and working with the Tulare County Drug Court at that time, the judge was Judge uh, Glade Roper, who we had already built a pretty good relationship with. And my husband also had uh, a great relationship with Exeter School District. And so he was able to bring along that contract with the organization. And um, at the time that we opened our organization, we didn't even know how to use a computer. I mean, that's how uh, I mean, literally, look at you now. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yes. I mean, it was, it was literally a, a prayer and, um, 
giving it to our higher power and, and hoping that um, because our motives were right to provide good quality services to community that it would flourish and so far it has, yeah. Thank goodness for such a program. What is the type of services that are offered? I know that there's a lot of services that are offered um, immediately when folks hear recovery, they think of one substance, but um, share with us the type of services that you, you offer there. So uh, again, as I said, when we first opened the business, we were involved with the Tulare County Drug Court and we no longer provide services that are court ordered services. We're a completely private mm -hmm. program. Um, we don't have any outside sources funding us. We're not a nonprofit, <clears throat> excuse me. And so um, all of our intensive outpatient services are provided through the various insurance contracts that we have. Um, and they're numerous and continuing to grow. Um, we also have an outpatient program and that's for clients who are really in the early stages of substance use disorder um, and don't really meet medical necessity for intensive outpatient. Um, and then we also have a mental health wing to our organization. Um, oh. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of branching into that area. You know, in 1999, there was primarily substance use disorder with some minor mental health issues that could be dealt with with using a primary care physician. But what has happened over the course of time and the different drugs that are being used, there, we're seeing more and more um, mental health disorders that are um, significant enough that we now have a medical director that's a board certified psychiatrist. So we are what's called a um, co-occurring capable intensive outpatient program. Our doctor is not a full-time physician, mm -hmm. but he does um, meet with clients through um, telehealth and can prescribe medications that are needed for mental health issues or anti-craving medications that might be needed. Um, and also oversee if somebody is still at the very tail end of um, an outpatient um, titration withdrawal. You know, mm -hmm. we don't see clients that are in severe withdrawal anytime there's um, direct health uh, issues that can happen because of withdrawal, such as alcohol or benzodiazepine. The client needs to be medically monitored in an inpatient program. But sometimes they come out of an inpatient program and there's still some telltale signs of their withdrawal symptoms. And so Dr. Beber can oversee that. Um, also, uh, we have an adolescent outpatient program. It's mm -hmm. not an intensive outpatient program, but what we do provide is um, alcohol and drug counseling for the adolescent, mental health. Is there a minimum age for the adolescent? At 13, yes. They, okay. they need to be 13, between 13 and 18. Um, 18 and over in the adult program. Um, then the mental health clinician meets with the client. And then there's also a family meeting. So there's three meetings a week minimum. Um, 
intensive outpatient for adolescents is a required six hours minimum for services. And we don't, we, we fall underneath that. So um, those are billed either through um, it, the person's insurance, if it does cover it. If not, it's an out-of-pocket cost to the patient and their families. Uh, but we do keep the cost fairly low. Everybody is um, randomly urine drug screen tested to make sure that everybody's being monitored and we know they're staying abstinent. Um, Helping each other uh, stay accountable. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. There are programs in, in uh, the state of California and nationwide that are considered MAT programs. We are not an MAT program. Although there is some medication that can be prescribed, we are not uh, certified for um, Suboxone or Methadone. So those are medications that a client, if they are on those medications, must be on a short taper to be, um, to be coming off of that medication uh, and then move into um, other medications that are within the abstinence-based uh, I see. Mm -hmm. What is your treatment philosophy? We, I guess we are kind of a dying breed. Um, we believe that this is a um, disease and that um, the brain is altered as a result of being on medication. It's also altered because of uh, childhood trauma. And um, so over the course of time, a person becomes um, dependent on that substance. And in order for the client to uh, return to a, um, a more functioning way of life and to put this disease in remission, if you will, the brain needs to stop being stimulated by substances that it is attracted to. So we also believe in cross tolerance. If a person is maybe uh, primarily alcohol dependent, um, taking an anti-anxiety medication such as Xanax or Ativan or things like that, mm -hmm. it's the same neuropathway to the brain. And so the brain then thinks the person is still drinking. So replacing one drug with another drug puts a person in a high risk of craving and return to the primary substance, which is alcohol. And then the person would have a dual addiction. They would be dependent on the benzodiazepine and then they would also be dependent on alcohol. So that's a, a common thing that happens. A patient goes to their doctor and wants to stop drinking. The doctor prescribes uh, benzodiazepine for a titration, but if the client's not being monitored, then it's a very high risk for a person to overdose if they're taking benzodiazepine and drinking. So uh, we, we like to clear the system of um, addictive substances so that we're getting a clear picture of the symptoms. Are they truly mental health uh, diagnoses? Or are we seeing withdrawal from a drug or, um, or is there intoxication that we are actually diagnosing? So we'd like to see somebody clear those things from their system to determine. 
Uh, because otherwise, how would you have a full assessment and know uh, the exact treatment plan that you should have in order for the patient to be successful? Yes. In the recovery. Yes. And I, I do believe, and, and you know, just so the listeners are aware, um, I am not an anti-MAT. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there is a population that absolutely benefits from that type of treatment. And we do refer to those types of services for those individuals who need that. It's just that we do not provide that here. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that we're not an anti-MAT. Um, any more than I really think that anybody that's pro-MAT should be anti-abstinence because there is a place for a program like ours. It has been working for many, many years, and uh, we adjust things as, as we learn more about this disease, but I still believe that there is a, a great advantage in removing certain substances from our lives. Thank you for that clarification. I appreciate it. You bet. It is my understanding uh, that your agency is accredited by the Joint Commission. Could you give us a brief synopsis of what that means to the listeners? Well, I can tell you what it means to me for sure. Um, And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why we decided to uh, become accredited. We started this process about six years ago. Um, I'm a working administrator, uh, carry a full caseload. Um, we're a small organization, so many of our employees wear a lot of hats. And so in carrying a full caseload, as I'm sure anybody that works in any type of agency knows that an administrator that has to manage all of the administration pieces of running an organization and seeing clients simultaneously is not an easy task. No. So it took a long time to make this happen. And I uh, recently met a young woman who we hired to take my place in the IOP. Um, And she has been overseeing that part of the program while I worked on completing the process of being joint commission accredited. The thing that was really important to me about being accredited is as I've been working in this organization and in this field for so long, as standards continue to change, I didn't have a form of accountability over me. So, you know, the Department of Healthcare Services, which is the state, has a specific standard of care, and we are certified with the Department of Healthcare Services. However, the standards under the Joint Commission were much higher standards, and we were committed as an agency to provide the best services to our clients, not the minimum required. So, Which is always admirable. Thank you. Yes. And it was not an easy task. It took about 18 months to do it. Um, my staff went through a lot of changes. Um, the ship got tightened, if you, if you will. Um, timelines in which things have to be completed. Uh, different areas of the client's care are carefully oversought. And um, we were able to 
obtain a three-year accreditation. Um, wow. So we're very proud of that. That's yeah, thank you. you. Should. Yeah, yes. thank you. They yeah. also are uh, great in that the Joint Commission works very closely with an organization to continue to improve care. So if I have questions about how to improve something, mm -hmm. it's like having a consultant that you can always reach out to. Um, going through the site review process for me was like going through a master's class in uh, addiction treatment. So it was uh, something that I was a little nervous about, you know, obviously somebody's going mm -hmm. to pick me apart, but I literally at the end of the two days um, felt like I had learned so much about what I was doing and also gained a lot of confidence that we were in fact providing wonderful services to our clients. Um, we're now working on um, finding our outcomes. So we've implemented some tools that will allow us to measure our clients' progress in treatment, mm -hmm. as well as uh, clinical outcomes in terms of success rates. And so I'm excited to see where that takes us. That's amazing. That's amazing. I listened to how you stated you had the two days and it was like going through this, this master's class you were what you initially thought you were being taken out of your comfort mm -hmm. zone. But in fact, it sounds like your agency was doing the right things all alone. It's just now formalized mm -hmm. by the Joint Commission yeah. uh, coming in and getting accredited, yeah. which again is admirable. How can the listeners find out more about your agency? I know that we're going to put your website up on the uh, podcast mm -hmm. with your mm -hmm. bios, but if you can share some of that with us. Uh, well, anytime somebody uh, is interested in um, finding out more, obviously the website is the best place to, to find that information. Uh, tells you a lot about the history of our organization and the services that we provide. Um, I also forgot to mention, and I know this is backtracking a little on your That's question, okay. but we do have an adolescent um, program that is on site at five different school districts. Oh. Um, we have some great counselors, um, most of which are also certified, but also working towards master's degrees in social work. And so many of them are just incredible counselors. And we um, provide counselors to the actual school. They go on site and meet with students on site. However, right now it's all Zoom based, which has been very challenging. Boy, I'll tell you, I really feel for teachers that are having to educate through telehealth, which is, I, I can't even imagine doing that. Um, but we provide services to Visalia Unified, Exeter Unified, Porterville Unified, uh, Tulare Joint Union High mm -hmm. School District, and Dinuba High School and Middle School. So um, the, I wanna make sure I give an honorable mention to those counselors that work in that, organ, that part of our organization because they're Absolutely. They're just amazing counselors. They have to be really good because they are, you have to be self-motivated. They, 
they have to suit up and show up for kids every day. And it's not always an easy task because not always do the kids want to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, anytime somebody wants to be referred to our organization, we provide a free consultation. Um, we can either do that through telehealth or in person. Um, most of our staff has been fully vaccinated and we provide uh, a safe and sanitized, um, socially distanced service. Um, okay. And we're also, yeah, and we're also um, linked uh, pretty well with many inpatient programs. So if somebody does need a higher level of care, we have a great relationship with some treatment providers in Southern and Northern California. Uh, there are a couple of organizations we work pretty uh, closely with in Fresno Clovis area. Um, we try to find uh, organizations that are in network with the client's insurance. So they're not surprised by a huge bill at the end of services, you know. Okay, which since you brought that up because there are, um, a network of insurances, insurance companies that your agency works with. But mm -hmm. what if there's um, a client to come in and their insurance isn't covered with your agency? Is there something worked out um, mm -hmm. where they can still get some help or are they recommended elsewhere? How does that work? Well, there's a couple of different avenues that we can take. First of all, um, it has been a little bit more challenging with telehealth because, you know, insurance says if uh, there has to be access to care. Mm -hmm. So if we're out of network and the closest in-network organization is 50 miles away, which is in most cases the truth, uh, we would be able to obtain a single case agreement. And then the client would be able to receive services in-network. That has been a little bit challenging with all of the telehealth that has come into play with intensive outpatient because then the insurance says, well, they can be in network with this organization that's in Southern California. So you may live in Hanford, but be getting services in Los Angeles, let's say. And our feeling is that although I very much appreciate the value of Zoom or telehealth. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at look at us. We're able to have this conversation, and um, instead of being in person, you know, um, there's a lot of benefits to it. However, the the most valuable way to deliver substance use disorder treatment is in a group, and although you can do a group on telehealth. It is just not the same, at least for me as a clinician, to be able to be in the same room with my client and reading body language um, and also being able to provide alcohol and drug testing. So if you're in a telehealth situation, how do you navigate that part? Because even though a person really wants to be abstinent, this disease has a way of convincing us that just a little bit more today would be okay and nobody would know. It has its a, challenges. Absolutely. So in a, in a telehealth setting, I think it certainly adds another layer of um, concern 
at least mm -hmm. for me. And um, being in a group, the clients are feeding off of each other and hearing each other and reading each other's reactions, where in a telehealth setting, they're seeing each other from the neck up. So yeah. what? So it's what's kind of really, hard to really have that connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. And feel yes. like it's moving forward. That there's mm -hmm. some sort of progress. That's right. what I meant to say. So we try. That there's some we, sort of progress. Yes, and we're trying to obtain those single case agreement agreements, making that case with insurance. Um, if somebody is not able to get a single case agreement, obviously we would want to make sure that they are willing to um, go into an out-of-network rate, and that's fully disclosed to the client. If they're not, then we will make those referrals to an organization that is in-network. Uh, we're pretty transparent about finances. Um, sometimes we're able to offer a discount to somebody, um, mm -hmm. and um, we also can afford maybe a short payment plan. Um, so, you know, we try to be um, as flexible as we can to not have as many barriers for a client to get treatment. But um, there is still open networks in terms of obtaining your own insurance. And so a mm -hmm. lot of people don't realize that um, the Affordable Care Act also allows people to obtain their own insurance, um, for instance, with Anthem Blue Cross, just picking one, that mm -hmm. is really great to work with. And so the cost of the um, insurance per month may be less than paying for treatment. So we also kind of try to steer people in those directions if they have no insurance at all. Which is really helpful. I, uh, I wanted to share something that I had came across a, a couple of weeks ago um, from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. And um, this survey, of course, is a couple of years old, but 19.7 um, million American adults uh, age 12 and older battle a substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, the work that you're doing there, uh, the service that you're providing, it's more like a service uh, for you as opposed to work. Um, almost 74% of adults suffering, suffering from substance abuse disorder struggle with alcohol use disorder. Mm -hmm. um, those numbers are probably, or statistics are probably something that a second nature and knowledge for you because you you see it. Um, I think out here, and I mean out here, the audience-wise, we hear about substance abuse, but then when you start really looking at the st statistics, the numbers are surmounting, and mm -hmm. then that coupled with uh, more things going on, you know, mm -hmm. those numbers have increased. And I I just thought I I would I would share that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's higher now. It's much higher now, especially since the pandemic. Mm. Um, what a lot of people, maybe these listeners might already know this, but um, um, certainly, um, you know, if anybody's heard of the ACE 
recent study that was done by um, Kaiser Permanente many years ago showed that um, trauma is uh, one of the number one reasons for physical health problems, mental health problems, and substance use disorder. And so um, now in this pandemic, what's happening is so many people are being shut in and it's so difficult to be isolated. And, and so that adds to it, which is mm. unfortunate. But then again, I'm glad that we do have services mm -hmm. um, like your agency that we can go through. Before we mm -hmm. end, is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners that you'd briefly like to state that you want to share um, before we end? Well, you know, um, I guess I want people to know that, you know, when we opened this organization, people told us that we could not have a business and be honest. And my husband and I both said, if we can't be honest, because both of us are recovering individuals, I've been abstinent um, from alcohol and drugs for 32 years. And for him, well, congratulations. Um, yeah, thank you. And my husband, husband um, has been abstinent for 34 years. And wow. so um, we said, you know, we have to take care of our own recovery. And we cannot have an organization that's founded on dishonesty and lies. And so although we are fairly small in terms of a substance use disorder treatment program, there are programs up and down the state of California that are huge. You know, they have uh, inpatient and PHP and IOP and outpatient and all, you know, all the different- It's not levels. the size, it's the integrity. And that's right. what that's what you, you have. Right, um, that's the point I wanna make is that yes. we're ready to grow, but we wanna grow within the boundaries of having an honest, um, ethical, program that's based on integrity. Awesome. Jerry, thank you so much for being a guest here today on today's podcast. This was a lot of uh, valuable information that I'm sure will help uh, in an individuals, families uh, to know what's going on. Um, thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, thank you for having me very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome.